What is going on, everyone? It's Cole Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for this week. How's everybody doing? And I'm um, sorry for the delay. Sorry for the delay. Um, I feel like I've been talking to a um, I was talking to my housemate uh, about this uh, <laughs> tonight. Every post I seem to put out on any like bit of social media or anything like that, it just seems to be that that uh, it's always the second post is always trying to me. <laughs> Is uh, is always me trying to apologize for uh, fucking not putting the podcast out, but I I I, uh, I swear to you, this will be out uh, very very soon, and uh, well, it'll be out obviously because you are listening to it. But I am obviously swearing to myself, <laughs> I think, to uh, put it out um, at the time that I, I said it would be. Now, this week's not going to be anything special because we've got a busy fucking month, a busy month. I'm talking about Horror October. It's spooky season. There's going to be scary movies, um, scary things. Listen to lots of stuff going on. Spooky season. Um, going to be checking on Buddy Ryan Gosling's probably his fucking band, Dead Man's Bones. I don't know if you got through any of that stuff, but uh, Ryan Gosling is actually part of a band. <laughs> Was part of a band called Dead Man's Bones, and uh, it's the perfect it's the perfect music for this type of season. And if you want to get on it, I've been playing it. It's been. Uh, it's been a good, um, it's been pretty spooky. So, um, I do want to, like, this episode's not going to be anything special. I just thought I'd talk about the best stuff I've seen, like, all year. I've called this good shit I've seen, uh, this year so far. I know we're in October, and this could have been done in, like, June or July, like everybody else did it, but, um, I just felt like doing it now. I, I, uh, I've seen a lot of stuff. I haven't seen everything. Um, I would love to see, um, some of these movies that people are talking about, but uh, I've only seen just... I've seen what I've seen. I haven't really put much pressure on myself this year to watch a lot of stuff, um, especially working on a lot of different projects and um, things like that. But um, what I have seen is uh, it's been pretty good, and I would like to give you some recommendations. This is going to be like a quick-fire recommendation thing, and hopefully you'll find some good choices in these movies. I've got 16 movies here. I've got like quite a bit of TV, um, but what I've been watching a lot of TV this year, and um, that's about it. And I've just got some, as I said on Instagram, um, as I said on Instagram last week, uh, I believe it was on Thursday, Friday, or during that whole um, story that I put out, I do have a special announcement. At the end of this podcast, we'll be talking about the Horror October movie challenge. Uh, which I'll be recapping at the end of the month, and then there's another special announcement, which I'm very, very excited about. But working on it for quite a bit, and um, hopefully it's going to work. So let's get to it. There are 16 movies here uh, that I want to recommend to you guys. Yeah, they're not all really going to be everyone's wheelhouse, but uh, I thought I'd still um, stir the pot. You know, stir the pot, pot see, see, see what you like. See what, uh, see if you can get into it, see if you can fuck with it. And, um, here we go. We're going to start off with Pieces of a Woman from, uh, January. This came out on Netflix. This also had, um, Vanessa Kirby get nominated for Best Actress for this, uh, role. And let me tell you, she bloody deserves it because this movie is, it's heavy. It's heavy, right? Now, I'm not going to go through, like, every, I'll, I'll give a basic plot 
and then I'll um, just give you some, a few, like, if you like this, you'll like this, and uh, I think it'll work like that. So, Pieces of a Woman stars Vanessa Kirby as this woman that uh, has a baby, and um, unfortunately loses it, and it's all about the the aftermath and the fallout of that, and her relationships with her family, with her friends, with her partner, played by Shia LaBeouf, and it is, it's it's a heavy film, I'll give you that, it's a heavy film, but it also has one of my favorite final shots of the year, and an excellent, an excellent opening 30 minutes, which is just fucking relentless, but the camera work is immaculate, and the, again, the energy, the, the chemistry between Vanessa Kirby and Butler Buff, uh, Vanessa Kirby's just whole performance throughout this whole, I mean, for the whole movie, really, but this whole opening 30 minutes is um, worthy of the award itself. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it is a stressful time. It's pretty stressful to watch, but uh, if you want something heavy, if you want something stressful, maybe, if you want something good, uh, it's on Netflix right now. Pieces of a Woman. Check it out. All right. Second up is also, was also nominated for a Academy Award this year, was... Judas and the Black Messiah. This played at Sundance. This played at Sundance this year. And I'm going to say, it's solid. It's really, really fucking solid. Um, it's directed by this gentleman named Shaka King, who absolutely delivers this kinetic energy into this movie. There's some great performance from Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Jesse Plemons, Daniel Kaluuya, rightly won for uh, his Academy Award. And uh, it's just a great film all around. We've got a beautiful cinematography from Sean Bobbitt. And want to watch it again? I haven't seen it since I like, first saw it in January. Uh, but this also premiered at the same day on HBO Max. So people watched it there. Uh, but if you can get your brabby mitts on it, uh, it's a really, really great watch. I believe this was even based on a book as well. And um, I haven't read the book myself. But uh, I've I've heard it's I've heard it's good, and Dominic Fishback as well. I want to shout out because she also gives a great supporting performance as well in this film. Look, it's solid. It's a thriller. It's thrilling, and um, it's gonna make you think. Gonna make you angry, and I think that's what uh, Shaka King wants you to feel. And like I said, his directorial energy is just ugh, it's kinetic. Uh, you should check it out. It's good. Right on number three, Baccarat. Baccarat. From Portugal. Uh, this is currently playing on the Criterion channel. So if you have that, or you manage to, uh, um, you know, if you have any American listeners that you have that, or if you have any uh, like Australian listeners like myself who still pays for, um, still pays for Criterion channel. In fact, it renews in a few weeks. But uh, I just I watch it through a VPN, and that's how you can get it working. So if you, if any Australians are having trouble with Criterion channel, um, just use a VPN to sign up for it. And then it you can still use uh, your de- credit or debit card to pay for it. It is about ninety dollars US to do it, but I swear to God, if you're a film buff like myself and a cinephile, you're gonna fucking love Criterion Channel because they have got their shit on there, and including Baccarat, number three, Baccarat. Now Baccarat, it starts off as you know something that we've all seen before. It's about this town that gets infiltrated by these people that are just, you know, coming in. I think, I believe, like, they're all from America or, or around there. Or, and uh, they're intruders. They come into this small town. And let me tell you, I, I, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. So what I'll say is it starts as something and then it ends as something else. Uh, my letterbox review pretty much said that if 
this is Parasite if it was directed by Quentin Tarantino. And uh, I think that's the most accurate description I can give for um, Baccarat. Uh, if that, you know, if that floats your boat, then check it out. Baccarat. Baccarat. There's a U in there. <laughs> and that's currently playing on um, Criterion Channel for to check that out. Number four, The Empty Man. Uh, this was actually, I saw this on a uh, Chris Stockman video, and uh, he talked about it not being appreciated when it came out, I believe because of the pandemic, the, like the studio just fucking dropped it, and um, I watched the Stockman video on this, and uh, yeah, checked it out, and it's good. If you like um, urban myths or anything like that, like Slender Man or uh, any stories like that, this is about a entity called the Ent- Empty Man, and if you blow into a glass bottle... If you uh, if you blow into a glass bottle, I think it's three times or five times on uh, this particular this bridge in particular, creepy things, spooky things are gonna start happening, and um, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, what I will say there is though, not since uh, Hereditary have I been really really creeped out by a film, especially in a certain scene in a camp in the woods. I was very very. Uh, <laughs> Very, very creeped out. And I just want to shout out James Badge Dale. Great character actor. James Badge Dale was in this as well. And he's great. Uh, the only problem I, I think I had with this one was just the ending. I just didn't think the ending, like it stuck the landing. I thought it was a bit, you know, it, it just didn't drive with me. But if you have the chance to check out The Empty Man, I'm not sh- actually sure uh, where this would be playing at the moment because I think it might have moved off. Um, but if you, have, if you have the chance to check it out, The Empty Man. Uh, give it, give it a go, give it a go. Not people are talking about it. People are talking about it now. I do believe that this is going to be a cult, uh, a cult classic. Excuse me. Uh, I do believe this is going to be a cult classic. So do uh, watch it. You, you will not. Uh, you know, I don't think you're probably going to waste your time with that one. All right, number five. I checked out in uh, April. This is before the pandemic went down. But this is before our lives went to shit once again. Nobody. Nobody with Bob Odenkirk, pretty much John Wick, but for dads. Um, I mean, John Wick is for dads, but like, you know, dad, uh, you know, more so for dads. <laughs> Since uh, Odenkirk is in great shape for this film, but uh, I, I think it, you know you could probably resonate with it a bit more. Um, yeah, got great action. It's exactly what I mean. These people worked under um, Chad Dostoevsky. Chad Stahelski and I'm um, David Leach, and um, it's got great action. It's well filmed. It's bloody. It's violent. There's a great father-son relationship with uh, Bob Odenkirk's character and his father, played by Christopher fucking Lloyd. Um, if I just want to just slide in there, and um, yeah, it's fun. It's it's funny at times as well. There's some great uh, action sequences. I just think the villain is a little weak, but that just that's always the thing with the John Wick movies. The villain's never the best part of it. It's always the action. But uh, you know, if you like John Wick, you like Bob Odenkirk, you want to see Saw kick some ass and uh, you know break some uh, break some legs, arms. Check it out. It's a uh, nobody. Six. The Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, this is the next film from Sony Pictures Animation, and they have given us quite a chance of Meatballs movies. They've given us Buddy Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. And um, it's the same team. I, I believe it is produced as well by... I, mean, I, I think it is, because Sony Pictures Animation also gave us Smurfs, 
Avatar, which is which is not good, not good at all. They also gave us the Emoji Movie, uh, so no. But the difference with Mitchelson versus Machines is it's produced by Christopher Lord and Phil Miller, who did the Lego Movie. They did the Into the Spider Verse film, and it is pretty much grabbing the same style from Into the Spider Verse, and um, it's about this family that uh, has to save the world from these machines. And it's got a lot of that to do with uh, technology and being connected. I believe this movie was called Connected before. It got a title change. Uh, there's a cute-looking pug in it, even though I do think they use that quite a lot to their advantage. A little too much, in my opinion. But if you like cute shit, this pug is going to get you. It's going to get you hard. It gets a little cheesy towards the end, but I didn't mind. It was... It was uh, it was a really, really fun, really, really fun movie. A lot of people are going to put this in their top tens, I think, this year as well. I've seen a few people already talking about, like, when they talk about their one of their favorite movies uh, of the year so far. People always talk about Mitch of the Machines. And I'm not going to argue with that one. I'm not going to bloody argue with it. It's, um, it's a great film. It, it's a good film. It's fun. Uh, it's good for the whole family. It's good for, you know, people like my age, like, you know, <laughs> people in their 20s who enjoy this one. It's, uh, it's just a feel-good time. Right, seven is Shiver Baby. Just want to just want to bring that to your attention. Shiver Baby. This movie is fucking incredible. This movie is fucking incredible. It is a anxiety roller coaster. Uh, it's basically about this woman who goes to go to a shiver, and uh, at the shiver, she's with her with you know with her father and her mother, and then she sees that her sugar daddy is there. Her sugar daddy's wife is there. <laughs> her ex girlfriend is there. And, uh, yeah, this is pretty much the cinematic equivalent of having severe anxiety. And this is pretty much going to join the cinematic universe of the anxiety, along of, of experiencing anxiety, along with Uncut Gems. And dare I say, this one is even worse than Uncut Gems in, in terms of delivering that, you know, that, that aspect of filmmaking, because it really does make you feel, you know, sweaty hands, uh, you know, head spins, just like, fuck me, get me out of here. Uh, it's got great performances of Rachel Sennett, Molly Gordon, and uh, I think it was, I think it's uh, Diana Agron. That's right, Diana Agron. She's good in it too. It's about 70 minutes long. It's pretty short. <laughs> this is this is more scarier than any of the horror movies that have come out this year so far because you'll watch this, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll feel the secondhand embarrassment and you'll just like, I believe you'll just explode, because like, that is how I felt when I was watching uh, Shiver Baby. It was, it was, it was fucking. It, it was, it was hard to watch at times because you're just like, like, just imagine if you're in that situation. Just imagine if you're in that situation. Some of the stuff that happens at the Shiver are just like, oh my god, get me out of here, please. It's this year's craziest horror, Shiver Baby. Watch it. All right, number eight is Bo Burnham. Inside, everyone's been talking about it. It's all over the social medias. I got nothing new to add to it. I just fucking loved it. I really enjoyed it. I believe most of the world has would have seen this by now, anyway. But uh, yeah, this got me emotionally. It inspired me. It just brought out a lot of feelings. I'm a huge Bo Burnham fan, and I think this is his best stand-up special yet. Um, like even after Make Happy, and um. I believe this is this will be his magnum opus because he fuses everything he knows about filmmaking from eighth grade and everything he uses in his comedy specials and it comes together to create this beautiful, beautiful piece of art. And uh, that's all I'm going to say. 
that is my thoughts on Inside. And that's all I'm going to say. I was absolutely blown away by it. And uh, I've seen it a few more times since, which is quite unhealthy, but what are you going to do? Uh, number nine is a solid sequel that I talked about also on my uh, on my YouTube channel in uh, the new Everything I Watched segment that I'm doing over there. Quiet Place Part 2. It's a solid sequel. It's a solid follow-up. Um, there's some great scenes. Uh, some don't really top like the ones in the first movie. There's a, there's a, there is a missing gap character-wise. But the characters we do focus on, we get some great scenes out of them. It's thrilling. It's scary. John Krasinski does it again. That's all I can say. Um, I don't know if this is, like I said on my uh, my YouTube video, I don't know if this is coming to Paramount Plus just yet, but I believe you can rent this digitally at the moment. And um, if you got the bloody severe bloody cash for it, give it a go. Especially if you love the first one. Of course, give this one a go. Uh, number 10. It's a little film called The Woman Who Ran. I also talked about this on my uh, my YouTube channel as well. But I want to give you a quick recommendation right now. Uh, I checked out this this filmmaker that I've been seeing talk about on Letterboxd. Uh, people talk about on Letterboxd called Hong San Su. Um, in particularly, uh, actor J- Dylan Jalula, who we just saw in, um, in Shithouse from uh, 2020. My third favorite movie from that year, from, uh, from last year. Uh, great film. That's another recommendation. If I can just like quickly just chuck that in there. Uh, Shithouse from last year. Uh, anyway, Hong San Su made this film called The Woman Who Ran. He's made like a, you know, a, a good collection of films so far. Obviously, it's a good filmography. But I checked out The Woman Who Ran, and it's delightful. It's absolutely delightful. It may seem amateurish in its approach, but I love the characters. Um, I love Kim uh, Gam Hee, played by Kim Min Hee her character. Now, she seems to be a recurring aspect in a lot of um, Hong San Su's films, and uh, I think just she's, she's just lovely. She what, what Pretty much what the plot is, is uh, she has to... She just comes to visit her uh, female friends because she's having a bit of trouble with her husband at the moment. They've been together for seven years, I believe. I think it's seven. And she you can tell she's having a bit of struggle with their relationship. He's more in it than she is. And um, there's just a lot of great conversations with women throughout the movie. There's about three conversations that take place with three friends. And there are also three men that interrupt their conversations, which I think is a great through line. There's a great uh, attention paid to detail. And yeah, it's also really short. Uh, but I think it's about, yeah, it's on about hour and 17 minutes. It's also pretty fucking short. And uh, yeah, if you want to, if you have time for that in your day, if you like talking movies, just you know, films where people just talk to each other and there's some good, di- and you know, have good dialogue of each other. Woman Who Ran. Okay. It's bloody good. It's bloody good. And it also has my favorite, as I said on my channel, my favorite uh, final shot of the year so far. I believe this came out like last year, but it got a uh, more of a release this year. But it definitely has my favorite shot of the year so far. My favorite final shot. I just want to re- reiterate. My favorite final shot of the year so far. It's um, it's just wonderful. It's beautiful. Next up is <coughs> Pig. I really had to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Pig is next. Now that's that. You may have seen some posters going around. You may have seen some trailers going around of this new Nicolas Cage movie. Not Willy's Wonderland. Not Ghosts. Uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland. Sorry. It's Pig. You would have seen it. It's about him. 
he plays a man who is uh, living out in the wilderness and his truffle pig is stolen and pretty much he just wants to get that pig back. That's all he wants is to get that pig back. But underneath the movie is a great message about anti-revenge, empathy, understanding and a odd, like, kind of like, it's kind of interesting, kind of intriguing, but like a little message, a little about like the the hierarchy of like the culinary underworld and uh i found that very really fascinating a just an interesting part of the film that i didn't really think i was gonna expect when i was watching this movie it's got great performances from nicholas cage alice wolf and it's shot beautifully this is a directorial debut this is a first effort from this director as well i think if i just typed in pig a picture of a pig would come up michael sarnoski is the filmmaker. This is his first fucking movie. This movie was made on $3.3 million. It looks phenomenal, and it just goes to show again. You don't have to have, like, fucking $200 to make, uh, $200 million to make a really good-looking film, because this is, this was just almost $4 million, and it looks gorgeous, had great performances. It's just doing a lot with a little, and I think it has a really, really good message. If you haven't seen the trailers for this or anything like that, don't go in expecting a John Wick kind of thing. It's not that. It is not that. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Or if you want that uh, breath of fresh air, I think Pig's, Pig's going to do it for you. Pig is for you. Uh, I believe it is also streaming on digitally. You can grab it digitally. I think I saw it on Google Play the other night, actually. Um, you can watch it there. It's really good. One of my favorite movies of the year. Four and a half stars, I think I gave this thing Letterboxd. Uh, it's really, really good. Number 12 is Suicide Squad. And again, I'm not going to talk too much about this one. Everyone knows what this one is. Uh, it's James Gunn's kind of soft sequel reboot of uh, Suicide Squad. This is THE Suicide Squad. My bad. Uh, THE Suicide Squad. And it's pretty much James Gunn doing old James Gunn. Uh, not like his kind of Disney Guardians humor, but more like his sliver super humor. And uh, it fucking works. Great characters. Um, I love Idris Elba in this movie. I love John Cena in this movie. Um, I think it has a weird pacing issue. Even though I do like Harley Quinn, I like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. It has a bit of a weird pacing issue in the middle when we just have Harley Quinn and it's just her in this house. And that gets quickly resolved. But it kind of does kind of bring this movie's pacing down a little. You do kind of tune out during that sequence. And, you know, no offense to any of the people who love Harley and people who love that scene. But I don't know. I kind of just checked out during that scene, and uh, I think I thought it just like brought focus away from the movie that we we're watching. It's kind of a subplot that is brought up and then just fucked off, and then we're getting back to the rest of the movie. But that's about it. I enjoyed this one. I loved it. I'm gonna watch it again. Not one of my favorite movies of the year, but James got knocked out of the park in terms of this. I love to see his old, just his old fucked up, depraved humor come back. Um, don't get me wrong, I love these Guardians humor, but I really enjoy, like, uh, Super. I fucking love Super. It's so good. And to see that kind of humor come back here um, was awesome to see. So, your HBO Max, VPN, away you go. But it, uh, HBO Max is coming to Australia, so... Um, and uh, we also got Binge as well, which has all the HBO shit. But, um, yeah, if you can... Get your eyes on it. Like, you know, like any of these movies in this bloody list. Give it a go. If you like superhero movies, if you don't like superhero movies, this kind of like, kind of celebrates it all at the same time, kind of shits on it. So, I appreciated that aspect. Uh, yeah. 
I liked it. It was good. Uh, number 13 is a, this little indie film called Ride the Eagle. It's written by Jake Johnson. It's I what is this? Who's this directed by? Um, Trent O'Donnell. Trent O'Donnell is the director. I don't know if he's directed anything else before, but it's written by Jake Johnson. It stars Jake Johnson. And it's a little cameo from someone who I'm not going to talk about. He'll, he'll pop up. If you watch the movie, he'll pop up. But it's a nice feel-good movie about this guy named, uh, I think it's Lair. Um, or, or is it Leaf or something? I'm not, he starts with an L. And um, he is living with his dog and uh, his mother dies and he has to go to the cabin to complete a set of tasks that his mother has left for him uh, in her will and testament. And if he completes these tasks, he gets to keep their, uh, her, I think it's her, her big cabin in the wilderness. And it's a fucking huge cabin. And uh, yeah, it's just this great story about him. He was never connected to his mother, so he learns a lot about her through these tasks and what she did uh, when she when she uh, left him, left left his life. And there's a lot of you know growing, a lot of life lessons. It's all that good shit. And Jake Johnson, I think, gives a good performance. And I I, I just like left this movie feeling optimistic, feeling happy. And if you want something like that, if you want something uplifting, I think this movie's going to do it for you. Ride the Eagle, it's called. Um, check it out. Number 14. This is a bit of a weirder one. <laughs> this is a bit of a weirder one. There's no, I don't know if this is going to go down with everyone, but I think this played at Um But I finally got to check it out. It's Annette. It's Annette by uh, Leo Carax. And uh, it stars Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, um, Simon Helberg, you know, Howard from Big Bang Theory, he's in this bloody film. But it's mostly a show, it's mostly a spotlight on Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, Adam Driver mainly. And um, it's a very, very odd movie. It's a very, very odd movie. I'm kind of conflicted with my with my thoughts on this one because it's... Um, I want to recommend it to people. Because if you've seen Leo, uh, Leo's other movie, Holy Motors, you you find you kind of find it like unsure, you kind of find yourself unsure of who to recommend this to, in uh, in <laughs> in terms of like, because there's some bits where you know this could be seen by people who like musicals, or um, you know who like Adam Driver, for example, but at the same time, it's not very accessible for a mainstream audience, so. It's really hard to find yourself recommending uh, Leo's films, especially this one, because this one is fucking bananas. In uh, in the twists and turns that it takes, Adam Driver's committed fucking performance. Um, I I really liked it, but at the same time, like I said, I could I have a hard hard time actually recommending this one because it's just uh, it's just a little bit more on the weirder side, and uh, I don't know if anyone. Wants to get weird just yet, but uh, if you want something, you know, pretty fucked up, pretty wacky, not depraved, but just wacky, and <laughs> just see some things that you'd never thought you would ever see in a film, uh, especially, uh, you know, nowadays, check out Annette. Just check it out. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just check it out, Annette. All right, we've got two more to go, and then we can, like, get going to the TV, but I do want to hurry this up because I still need to fucking edit this thing. Um, so we're going to get going. We're going we're gonna to get, get far anyway here. 15 is Kate. Uh, this came out, uh, I believe it was 
the 10th of September, I believe. I believe it was the 10th of September. But it's out on Netflix. Uh, so you can watch it on Netflix right now. And this stars uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as this assassin called Kate. And uh, she botches a target. And then when she goes to finish the job, she gets injected with this poison that is going to kill her. It looks like it's going to take about a night to, um, yeah, to, you know, to kill her. And uh, she pretty much wants to hunt down the person that's doing this and get revenge. It's another revenge movie. But there's more to it. She'll also look up this little girl as well, who is, you know, who might not be so little nowadays. And, uh, you know, for Hunting of Assassins, she's in Japan. It's neon-soaked. It's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, had a, had a good time with this one. This is not going to break any barriers. It's not fantastic, but I really had a really, really fun time with this one. I enjoyed the premise. It's kind of like Crank meets John Wick, so appreciated that. If you like both of those movies, I think you'll find enjoyment in this one, especially if you like the performance, uh, if you like watching uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Some great action sequences. It's bloody. It's violent. And it's got Bandmate in it. Fucking Bandmate is in this. How sick is that? It's a highly recommendation. It's on Netflix. There's no and and it's and it's not too long. You can yeah, I, I think it's like an hour of forty or something. But you know, I recommend it if you want to look a good if you're looking for a good action movie. I recommend I actually recommend doing this as a double feature with Nobody. And uh, if you can get that going, that'd be that'd be great. You're gonna have a great time. So uh, yeah, Kate, check it out. It's good. And then finally, I want. <laughs> I wanted to give my thoughts on this one. I, I really, really want to do like my, you know, my quick fire thing here, but um, I think it's going to be even quicker with the TV series anyway, so it's okay. Uh, but finally, I want to talk about Malignant, which is uh, James Wan's next horror venture. Um, it's nothing, nothing like his, uh, what he's done before. Now, it's about this woman played by Annabelle Wallace. And uh, she lives with her abusive boyfriend. Suddenly, she starts having these visions of people getting murdered. And then, shit gets a little cray-cray. I will uh, <laughs> I will say that. I don't know why I said cray-cray. I haven't said that in fucking years. But um, that's all I'm going to describe this one. It, it's, it's just... I, and I, I can't spoil it because this movie... You know, this is what everyone's talking about. This is what everyone's talking about. This movie is, is wild. It's not as like crazy as Annette, in my opinion, but the third act itself is is worth the ticket price alone, or worth the streaming fucking service subscription alone. It it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. The acting is dog shit. It's horrible, but I think it's on purpose. I actually think it's on purpose. I think this is James Wan. You know, he made Aquaman. Aquaman made him made of a billion dollars, and then. Warner Brothers were just like, well, you can, we'll just let you do whatever you want. And uh, I believe that's what he's done. He's just gone and done whatever he fucking wants to do. <laughs> he put a Twitter status out that was was just like, oh, by the way, guys, this is nothing like The Conjuring. This is going to be a little different, so trust me. And uh, fuck, it fucking is. It's a little different. It really feels like, though, that he is parroting his own work because it looks good. It has a good look to it. Um, it may seem schlocky and very much B movie. I mean, you know from the fucking opening sequence, this this is all on purpose. It has to be. Um, there are one liners. There are snap zooms. There is a castle on a cliff. The 
the credits and the font is like so cheesy and eighties, nineties. Like it's it's poor. It's like early two thousands. Like I think it's I would say more early two thousands. Like cheesy horror. But it's that font alone that's just like, okay, I know what I'm in for already. I don't know what, I just don't get the, where people are coming from. It's just like, no, this is like a, this is a bad movie. And, I, and I, all I can think is, no, I was like, no, I think James Wan, I, he he is a very competent filmmaker. He's a very good filmmaker, very talented. I don't think he would make anything bad like this without doing it on purpose, without having fun. Now, he said he was like influenced by um, Jello films, like the Argento's films. But... He wouldn't be a. He wouldn't make a product that he knows is bad. Um, like the acting is bad, but I think it's all on purpose because I think he's just trying to parody his own work and just trying to have a lot of fun. Just trying to have some fun. I mean, the dude's making Aquaman two at the moment. Warner Brothers probably breathing down that poor guy's neck. So he just you know went. Then we had to get off. He uh, had some space. Written wrote it with his girlfriend and uh, fiance wife wife right. I think it's his wife. She plays a detective, uh, FBI detective in this film and uh, has this, like, you know, kind of throwaway one-liner, but I thought she was okay in it. And uh, I believe they worked on this script together. And, yeah, because the, the only reason I'm saying it could be all on purpose is because not only does it look good, um, the production design's good, the setting's good, the effects are good, gory, it's fun. The action, The action is so well shot. Dude fucking loves wide lenses, though. I think he's learned from Aquaman that he fucking love, loves wide lenses because um, there's a lot of that in this final fight. I'm not going to say that, sorry. Um, in this final fight. I'll just say that. In this final fight. In the, in the, uh, in the third act. Yeah, it starts off like B-grade, schlocky horror, but then it just turns into something else, and you're like, well, holy shit, yes. This is what campy horror is back. <laughs> well... With James Wan, anyway, like I don't know about any other filmmakers, but hopefully that gives them, a, you know, uh, it inspires other people to try stuff like this. I mean, this is just an exception of James Wan having a lot of money from Warner Brothers and going like, I'm gonna make something fucked, and it's gonna be fun. Uh, I don't know if you'll get a chance to make anything else like this again. I don't know if this made any much box office when it went to theaters, but it also went to HBO Max, so maybe the people help people, you know subscribe to HBO. He uses a lot of techniques that he's done before in his movies, but they're all like, it's very competent. It's very competent filmmaking. It looks really good. There's a really cool shot of when she's, uh, there's a scene where, the, where she, um, she's running for the house and she's checking her doors and everything. And the camera's falling from like a bird's eye view at the top. And it just looks really fucking cool. It's like the scene in Panic Room, like the beginning of Panic Room, but all done from like, the top of the house, like, you go through the walls, you see her, the camera tracks, uh, yeah, like, I, it has to be all on purpose, that's my opinion, this has to be all on purpose, I don't think it's a bad movie, it's really fun, I could definitely see myself getting, you know, drunk on a, uh, uh, or, or having a, s a certain substances, or, you know, <laughs> getting down a little, and, uh, watching this again with a few mates, and just having a really fucking good time with this one, so, if you've heard the news about Malignant, if you've heard not to watch it, give it a go. I, I, I think you should give it a go. It's also quite short, and um, I don't think you waste the time. The third act alone is worth the fucking watch it anyway. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that this is this is it. This is my recommendation for Malignant. 
I'm standing up for it. Come on. Watch Malignant. It's really good. It's really fun. And I think we need more of these movies. All right, let's get on to the TV shows. Um, those are the movies. So we had Pieces of a Woman, Judas and the Black Messiah, Baccarat, The Empty Man, Nobody, Mitchells vs. the Machines, Shiver Baby, Bo Burnham's Inside, Quiet Place Part 2, The Woman Who Ran, Pig, The Suicide Squad, Ride the Eagle, Annette, Kate, and finally, Malignant. All good movies there. I recommend almost all of them. Almost all of them. A great time, indeed. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have been watching quite a bit of TV. I haven't even started my fucking Horror October Challenge because I've been watching a, a lot of TV re- lately. So I just want to give it just some shout-outs. I'm not going to talk about them. Um, all the Marvel shows were good. WandaVision is probably my favorite. And uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was good, too. Loki was good, but I think WandaVision is definitely my favorite. Loki, I think, has the better ending, but WandaVision all up is the better experience, I think. And uh, my least favorite would probably be Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And uh, What If at the moment has been going really good. been really enjoying that. I don't know if Kevin Feige is thinking about connecting all this together. I hope not. I kind of just want these to be their own thing, but if he does, I don't know. That's just how it's going to be, I guess, with the MCU. Everything needs to be connected. Um, I don't know if, if you if you head over to my YouTube channel and check out my uh, my Black Widow rant, you definitely know I have a lot of things to say about connecting everything. But I'm enjoying What If. It's fun. There's only one one more episode left, I believe, which is uh, uh, next Wednesday. The, this Wednesday. This Wednesday. Um, the last episode was good. Uh, my favorite one so far would probably be the Doctor Strange one. That's probably my favorite episode of the season season so far. Uh, a great miniseries that you should check out. Miniseries of the year, in my opinion, is Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet. Uh, it's phenomenal. There's seven episodes. I think seven, seven episodes. Uh, it's on HBO Max, but in Australia, it's actually on Binge. Uh, you should check it out. It's really, really good. Kate Winslet gets a great performance. Evan Peters gives a great performance. And it's a small town mystery. We fucking love small mysteries, don't we? Uh, yes, we do. That was, that was me talking to myself. But... If you do like small town mysteries, check it out. It's really, it's very, very thrilling. Just a great twist towards the end, but I don't want to, I won't reveal it, but it's just really good. Uh, another movie, I'm sorry, another show that I checked out, which is on stand at the moment, is called Gangs of London. It's, it's uh, created by Gareth Evans, who gave us the Raid films. If you love the Raid films, you're going to fucking like Gangs of London, I'll tell you that. Uh, because the action is so well filmed, it's brutal. I don't know if you like the characters as much as the raid, but uh, Joe Cole from Peaky Blinders, Prep Before Dawn, Green Room is in this, and um, it's really good. It's just about of uh, about this uh, guy's father who dies uh, during a certain incident that happens at the start of the show, and he pretty much has to take over his gang. What I said to my housemate was, "It's Peaky Blinders, but set in today," and. Uh, it's also got phenomenal action. Phenomenal action. Episode 5 blew my fucking tits off. It's holy shit. Holy shit, right? Uh, if you've seen the show. But this is my recommendation for Gangs of London. It's on Stan, Australians. It's on Stan. And uh, for everyone else, I think it was ABC. ABC, everywhere else. Um, check it out. It's, it's, it's really good. And it's kind of hanging in the air. I don't know if we're going to get a season 2. But again, I won't tell you what happens. But uh, I think it's because of the pandemic that they've kind of put plans, halted plans to it. But yeah, it's good. Check it out. 
Um, I haven't finished yet, but I'd started watching Brand New Cherry Flavor on Netflix. Really, really good. Good story um, about this woman named Lisa Nova who goes to Hollywood. She creates a short film. She goes to Hollywood to meet this producer. He fucks her over. She goes to see a witch. And then that witch puts a fucking curse on him. How about that? And uh, shenanigans ensue. And I mean, I don't want to put much light on it, but uh, shit starts happening. It's weird. It's crazy. Reminds me of a good genre film. Like, like, like I haven't really felt this like weird and like, like uh, kind of unnerved by the things I was seeing ever since watching the Neon Demon, uh, also Mandy. But uh, this definitely gives you those vibes. And um, especially like the themes in the story that takes place. I think Rosa Salazar's great in it. Uh, the guy that plays Leo, the producer, is really good too. Um, I've got two episodes left, so don't spoil it. But uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, miniseries, eight episodes, I believe. It's uh, it's really good if you like if you're a filmmaker yourself if you if you like filmmaking you like movies if you like Hollywood if you like weird shit brand new cherry flavor Netflix fucking watch it um, Brooklyn Nine Nine's final season was really good uh, I'm not gonna, like not every single episode was like fantastic in fact like I thought the first episode was quite um, not great, but uh, I think it nailed the land with the last episode. Very satisfied with how it ended. It's they touched all the heartstrings, they covered all the ticked all the boxes, and it's um I was sad to see it end. It was really weird when we watched it that day, like the end of it, and uh, we were just like, "This, that's it. Like Brooklyn Nine Nine is is finished. It's over." Um, but I think it was time to finish it anyway. I think it's it ended well. I watched the uh, Seth Meyers special as well after that where he talks to the cast. I thought that was good too. And um, yeah, overall, I was satisfied with it. Good stuff. Sex Education Season 3 also came out on Netflix. Uh, big fan of Sex Education. Love the show. Uh, love this season. This is probably my favorite season actually so far. I like the dynamics between um, Otis and Ruby and um, Eric and Adam and all the stuff that happened was uh, was to my liking, I'll say that without spoiling anything. I just have a problem with how it ended. Um, there's just a certain aspect of the writing that I think that if they continue with that, it's really going to drop viewers. I think it's already has dropped viewers after what they've done. And um, if they continue with it and do it again, it's really going to, I'm going to lose my interest with it, I think, and it's really going to piss me off. But um, I'm still going to watch because I like these characters. I like this show. It's real, so weird because when I always like come back to this show and watch it, I'm just like, no, I'm only gonna watch a few episodes. I'm gonna watching like this whole fucking season in a night. Like this is, I mean, it's only eight episodes, but holy shit, dude! Like, you get hooked into this one. This one is so easy to binge. I'll so, tell you that. All three seasons are on Netflix right now. It's a good show. Ace Butterfield's great. Emma Mackey's great. Julian Anderson's great. God damn, she's good. She is really good in this show. And yeah, check it, check it, check it out. Check that shit out. And then, the reason why this whole thing was fucking delayed was I wanted to finish these shows. Uh, Mythic Quest, first of all, on Apple TV+. Plus. This We're going to move out to Apple TV+. Plus now. Mythic Quest, which is also created by Rob McKelley, Charlie Day, and Megan Garns. Uh, is it created by Megan or just... I think mostly written by Megan, right? But uh, Megan Garns, if you guys know, Gans, if you guys know, uh, she was a writer on Community. She wrote some of the best episodes on Community. She's really talented, and uh, she is uh, working on this show now. If you're fans of uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 
Rob McKelleny, who plays Mac in that show, plays Ian Grimm in this show. Um, I want to shout out Charlotte Nickdale as well as Poppy Lee in this show, my favorite character, Poppy Lee. Um, this show did a fantastic quarantine episode. They have a great uh, episode in the first season. I think it's episode five, which is my favorite episode of the show so far. Um, yeah, the quarantine episode was fantastic. It's the best quarantine thing I've seen that anyone has ever done. I thought it was fantastic. And the second season, which uh, came out very recently, had a great episode as well. See, episodes five and six of the second season were really good too. I just want to shout out, also, I think it's episode 10 or 11 of season one. The Everlight episode is really good. If you don't know what Myth of Quest is, it's pretty much about this man, Am I in Grimm. He is the creator and creative director of this uh, game called Mythic Quest. It's an MMORPG, like kind of like uh, World of Warcraft or, um, yeah, pretty much like fucking World of Warcraft, really. <laughs> and uh, it is the, the uh, you know, looking inside of the game studio and the game development, Poppy Lee, um, played by Charlotte Dinkdale, is uh, the primary engineer and everything. So she works on all the bugs and everything and helps create the fucking game. And um, it's a very, it's very like sunny humor, not like, not like so outlandish as a sunny, just a lot, a lot of cynical humor. And um, it's also just really funny. Great delivery from both people. I love Robert Kelly in these role, in this role as Iron Grimm. I love Charlotte Nickdale. I'd love to see more of what she's in, but apparently she hasn't really been in that much. Um, but I'd really love to see more of what they do. And I cannot wait if they do a season three for season three, Mythic. Quest on Apple TV Plus. Plus, sorry. On the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, from cynical to wholesome to feel good times, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I actually was watched this show when it first came out last year. I watched season one, but then it just fell off because of just life stuff. And I heard season two was good, so I managed to get back into the show this year, uh, just this week. And finish season one at night, finish season two the next night. And uh, yeah, it's incredible. It's an absolutely incredible show. It very much deserves all the Emmy wins that it got for Hannah Waddingham. I think the guy who plays Roy Kent, I think, got one as well. Um, because they're all great characters. It's a very it's a very wholesome show, but it knows when to get serious. But what I also appreciate about the show is when it does get serious, it's not morbid, it's not hopeless. Uh, it's not just like everything's just shit. Uh, there's always an optimism that the characters find. I really like the way it's written and um, developed by, uh, and Jason himself works in the show, and he's, him as Ted Lasso is just going to be iconic. What my housemates really refer to it is, it's, it's, it's as if Ned Flanders went and coached a soccer team or a football team over in England, and um, that's pretty much what you get without all the religious stuff. It's just the wholesome Wholesome man who always sees the positive side of things. I really love season one. And then the season two, I loved even more. I think there's some great episodes in season two. It's a longer season. And we have the season finale next week, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. Do check it out. And uh, another show that people are raving on about, which I want to get to, is um, Squid Game. I haven't watched it yet. I've, I know, I've heard it's good. So I'll get onto it. Very excited to get onto it. And uh, but I just wanted to. I've got some movies to watch, like some horror movies to get to. And um, I wanted to finish uh, Ted Lasso. 
But uh, now that I have, I think I'll finish, yeah, Brand New Cherry Flavor and Squid Game. So we'll go from Apple TV Plus to Netflix, <laughs> get those out of the way. But yeah, I've heard it's good. There's a lot of memes going around around it. Um, no spoilers, thank God. Has the guy from Train to Busan? Didn't know that. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. And uh, I'll let you know my thoughts very, very soon. And those are it. Those are the, these are the movies. Those are the TV shows. Um, oh shit, no, I also wanted to uh, shout out some anime. I've got some anime here. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. I watched that. That is phenomenal. Absolutely fantastic. I would love to see the next season of that. Holy shit. Um, I also watched um, the Rising of the Shield Hero as well. That didn't get me into it that much. It's fine. I definitely found Jujutsu Kaisen better. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they're, they're completely different animes. But... Um, yeah, Rise and Shooter is fine. I watched the second season, but it didn't really hook me as much as Jujutsu Kaisen did. Jujutsu Kaisen all the way through was just like so fucking fun to watch, especially the last few episodes. And um, I really like the characters in that show as well. And uh, finally, My Hero Academia Season 5 just wrapped up. Watched all that. That's all good. I disagree with how slow it has been. Like, it, it has been quite slow, but I think it's been slow for a reason. I think we're building up to something big. And I'm not going to say what it is, but I think season six is going to just blow our roof off. So I think, I think it's going to be big. Season six is going to be big. And I'm um, very, very excited for World Heroes Mission coming out soon. Okay, that's it. Those are the shows. Um, let's talk about what's happening this month. It's the Horror October Challenge. Now, I found my movies. It took me a few, took me a week and a half to like get my movies down but i've got them here i just thought i'd uh i just thought i'd uh, bloody read them out and um because at the end of the month we're going to do the horror october recap so uh, you, you know you probably want to know what i'm going to be talking about <laughs> at the end of the month so i've got a good mix here i've actually got a lot of uh older films which i'm excited to watch but we're starting with cry wolf uh then we've got pulse cure uh, the kyoshi kurosawa are they both kyoshi yeah, we're clicking on that one. Yeah, they're both Kyoshi. Kyoshi Kurosawa's Cure and Kyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse. Uh, not the American Pulse, the Japanese. Uh, yes, the Japanese Pulse, not the American one with Kristen Bell. The Japanese Pulse. Um, and then we got Titan, George DiCurno's next adventure after Raw. I fucking love Raw, and I really fucking want to watch Titan. Um, then we got Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright's next film. We have Deep Red from Dario Argento. We have Halloween Kills, which will be coming out in theaters subsequently with uh, on uh, Peacock TV. Peacock TV. So um, be watching it there because I mean we won't be the fucking go anywhere. But uh, be watching that. Uh, Prom Night from 1980. High Tension from 2003, the French film. The Exorcism of Emily Rose by Scott Derrickson. The Changeling, uh, from the, 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 the 1980 version. Uh, the Innocence, Tigers Are Not Afraid, The Devil's Backbone, uh, that is Benicio, no, Benicio, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's first movie, I believe, I think so, uh, but I haven't seen it, so I want to check it out. Uh, we have Science Sono's Suicide Club, I've heard that's good, so I put that on my list. Uh, we have The Lodger. Brian De Palma's Sisters, 
House on Haunted Hill, the original, the 1959 version. Uh, I've got The Vanishing here as well. I, I believe it's a German film or a Swedish film. Dutch. There we go. It's a Dutch film. Um, I have a Canadian horror thriller called Pontypool here. Uh, Antlers. This was supposed to be released. This is a. This got fucked by the pandemic, this movie. Um, but Antlers is finally coming out, I think. <laughs> That's what I've been told. That's what I can see from the, in the cinemas. Uh, we've got some folk horror here because I wanted to check out some more folk horror, um, especially after watching Fear Street from um, 1666. So I've got Blood on Satan's Claw and from 1971 and The Witchfinder General from 1968. And then we have Society uh, Old and my Shyamalan's new movie. I've got Martyr's Lane. I've got Friday the Thirteenth. Now I wanted to pick a new. I wanted to pick like a certain part, and I enjoy. Uh, I, I I like hearing about what how Kane Hodder was as Jason, and he looks fucking looks fucking great as Jason. So I picked the one with the uh, the, the, the the telekinetic teenager, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the New Blood from nineteen. 19- 86. Uh, so I picked out that one. I mean, who knows? I could watch all of Friday the 13th. They're all on fucking stand. So I could I could watch them on there. Um, I've got Sliver from James Gunn. I've got Bay of Blood from 1970, 1971. Bay of Blood. I've got Happy Birthday to Me. And then finally, I've got Student Bodies here as well from 1981. Um, why did I, I'm trying to think where I picked this movie because it's kind of like Heathers, I think. This is what I was told. It's kind of like Heathers. Um, cult classic. That's why I picked that one. So those are my films. Uh, you can go on my letterbox right now and check out the challenge yourself. And uh, yeah, you can clone the list if you want as well. If you got pro, you can clone the list, and you can follow along. Um, I've got a few to watch now because it's the fourth of October, and I haven't watched anything. I was watching. I was too busy watching wholesome content when I should be drowning in my fear and despair, um, which is what uh, which is what I'll be doing for the rest of the month. Now, here is the exciting announcement. As well as doing this horror October challenge, I thought it'd be fun this year since I'm getting a lot more. Just I'm doing a lot of video games this year. I thought it'd be really fun to stream to stream on Twitch all October. A horror game. Me, a person who is just getting into horror movies but still doesn't like horror games, gets very, very fucking scared of them, in fact. I'm going to be streaming Dead Space, the f- game, I mean, it's the film then, the game Dead Space uh, on Tuesdays and Saturdays this October. So Tuesdays and Saturdays this October. We'll be starting the first stream at Tuesday at 8 p.m. And I'll probably stream for about two hours, probably like to 10 p.m. or something. Um, depends how it goes. Depends how scared I get. Uh, but if you want to, yeah, that's pretty much the that is the that is the catch there. Like if you want to see me get scared and just want to watch a guy shit his pants playing Dead Space, there you go. Tuesday, 8 p.m. When I say Tuesday, I'm talking Tuesday, the fifth, the tomorrow, tomorrow Tuesday, 8 p.m. On Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cole Cruz. That's where I am. 
check it out. I'll be putting up a link anyway um, on my socials so you can you can watch it. And um, hopefully I'll see you there. It's going to be fun. I'm trying to see the good side of it. So it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, and then I'll about do it. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Fucking hell, this always goes longer than <laughs> what you think, eh? Um, thank you very much for listening. I've got a lot of editing to do, so this can get out at 9am. So uh, that'll be it from me. Follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and check out all my socials. Everything I'm on is in the show notes down there. Uh, that includes my links to my Facebook, my Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, and my website is in there as well. Uh, yeah, have a great week. Take care of yourself. And I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. And uh, there might be some horror content this month, so the next podcast might be on something something a little another another spooky thing. So I'm excited about that. Um, or I might go on my original plan, but we'll see what happens. Like I'll definitely announce what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, that'll be it. I'll talk to you soon. And if you want to come to the stream on Tuesday at 8 p.m., I'll bloody see you then. <laughs>